Hello, it's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back for another episode of the History of Comics podcast, this time with the life of Kurt Swan, the good Superman artist. There are some artists who are, despite having not created the work they are associated with, such as a standard that they are now forever a part of it. A prime example is Kurt Swan, an artist whose decades on Superman made him forever a part of the Man of Steel's lore. He would establish the look of the classic character ever after to a point that everyone else has emulated him ever since, and like nearly all great artists, Swan came from humble origins. Douglas Curtis Swan was born on February 17, 1920 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A descendant of a Swedish family, his grandmother changed his original name from Swenson to the more American Swan, a common practice for many immigrant families at the time. Kurt Swan's father, John, worked on the local railroad while his mother, Leontine Jesse Hansen, worked at the hospital. As a boy, Kurt Swan went by his original first name, Douglas, for a while, but when he noticed that they, that they shortened it to Doug, from Doug was close to the word dog, thus leading to some schoolyard taunts, he switched to using his middle name, Kurt. Kurt Swan grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota with two older sisters, Mildred and Lenore, and two older brothers, Lloyd and Stan. During the snowy winters, he would naturally spend much of his time indoors drawing, which his mother encouraged and always made sure he had plenty of paper and colored pencils to do so. While his siblings also showed talent in art, only Kurt Swan would make a career of it. In 1940, Kurt Swan enlisted in the Minnesota National Guard 135th Regiment in the 34th Division, and during World War II, the unit was federalized, resulting in Swan being sent to Northern Ireland and Scotland. While the unit would eventually see combat in North Africa and Italy, Kurt Swan worked on the Stars and Stripes magazine, thanks to his artistic talents, where he uh, worked alongside future 60 Minutes host Andy Rooney, along with writers uh, Frank Herron, who would uh, have a huge impact on his future career. He also met Dick, Dick Wingnut, who gave him the nickname Swanee. At the military paper, Kurt Swan provided one-panel satirical cartoons about Army life. Sadly, his brother Lloyd died serving in the Pacific Theater as part of the Army Air Corps when his plane went down during a mission, leaving him with one other brother and his two sisters. During this time, his personal life did pick up when he met Helen Brickley at a dance when he was stationed at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Brickley herself would later work for the Red Cross and work in Paris, France in 1944, where Swan was stationed, furthering their courtship. The two would marry on April in 1945 in Paris. Upon being discharged, Kurt and Helen moved from Minneapolis to New Jersey to further his art career. He was largely self-taught in his artistic ability, though he did take art classes at the Pratt Institute under the GI Bill. However, he quit after a few months due to the long commute to school. Kurt Swan was 25 when he uh, became reacquainted with Eddie France Heron at this campus restaurant, which no longer exists, on 3rd Avenue in New York City. Swan would move to the city after serving in World War II to improve his chances of getting work as a commercial artist. Heron had been a writer at DC Comics before the war and worked with Swan on Stars and Stripes during the war, and it was he that suggested that Swan should apply to DC Comics, which Swan did and was promptly hired. It would be the beginning of nearly non-stop 51-year career with the company. Swan's first job was Boy Commandos in 1945, to be later published in 1946. The series was originally created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby about a group of kids with an adult chaperone, Rip Carter, who fought bad guys all over the world and beyond, appearing not only in their own title but also in Detective Comics and World's Finest Comics. 
After this, Swan kept penciling, leave, leaving inking to someone else as he needed to save time and make deadlines. Swan's next job was another Simon and Kirby creation, the Newsboy Legion, in 1946, with another group of kids chaperoned by an adult who fought crime, this time appearing in the Star Spangled comics. It did give Swan an opportunity to draw his first superhero in Guardian, a yellow and blue clad hero carrying a shield, something of a trademark of Simon and Kirby's early heroes, who was the adult that chaperoned the Newsboy Legion. Kurt Swan was instructed to try to draw like Simon and Kirby, but he couldn't, as his storytelling was nowhere near as dynamic. What Swan did bring to his art was a charm and pristine detail, which would soon become the hallmarks of his style. Swan would eventually bring a cinematic aspect to his art, such as having the view of a panel obscured by the back of a character, thus forcing the reader to peer over his or her sh- shoulder. His storytelling improved as well, and Swan quickly became known as someone who could, was great with hands which is one of the most the difficult features for any artist to draw. Fans of Swan were able to identify what comics he worked on just based on how good the hands looked, and he actually illustrated lines depicting the tendons and the muscles, along with depicting various shapes and sizes for being skinny to muscular. Of note, Swan would deliberately leave in these details to show it was him illustrating, as he would often have the ring and third finger appear parallel to each other. This was useful for early collectors, as this was at a time when artists were not credited for their work in comic books. Thus, identifying marks like this was needed to track down the earliest work. Chris Swan was also noted for bringing a great amount of detail to his art, unheard of at the time, and one of his earliest inkers, Steve Brody, complained he was wrecking his arm having to ink his pencils. To achieve all this, Swan would work up to 16 hours a day, sometimes so to appear faster than he actually was, and at one point thought his arm collapsed, was, thankfully, was just nerves. Swan would later learn to pick and choose when to use detail, such as ignoring backgrounds or using close-ups. This was thanks to Steve Brody's instruction, probably brought on by not wanting to work so hard inking his pencils, who showed him shortcuts to insinuate detail over just showing it. With this, it wasn't long before Kurt Swan was penciling three to four pages a day. Kurt Swan continued working in the Newsboy Legion and the Boy Commandos after World War II, with both books went into a science fiction direction as they no longer had Nazis to fight. Thankfully, this was something Kurt Swan excelled at and would lead to his next story, Tommy Tomorrow, a science fiction backup feature in Action Comics number 127, December of 1948, finally bringing Swan to Superman's premiere book. Tomorrow had first appeared in Real Fact Comics and would continue in action until issue number 172 when artist Jim Mooney took over. Swan's inker for the series was John Facetti, who later became a poet of surprise of winning cartoonist for his editorial work. During his run on Tommy Tomorrow, Swan refined his faces, another notable feature he excelled at, and once again, one that is notoriously difficult for most artists to do. Swan brought the same detail he did with drawing hands, and it became another identifying mark for his early work in comic books. Kurt Swan also worked on Gangbusters, a mild uh, crime comic based on the radio show of, of the same name, and he would finally work on Superman in Superman number 51 on March-April 1948, later moving to Superboy number 5 on November-December of 1949. This was due to a transition period as many of the creators were leaving DC Comics, leading to an opening to those like Swan to take over their assignments. However, Kurt Swan would always claim his first time drawing Superman was the one-shot three-dimension adventures of Superman in 1953, which he considered his first meaningful step towards becoming Superman's regular artist. 
Swan would also start on Adventure Comics number 156 in September 1950, and later did Superman number 73 to 76, where he drew the initial meeting of Batman and Superman with the story Batman Double for Superman. As a result, Swan would pencil Batman number 70 in April and May of 1952 and The Masterminds of Crime, though many also believe he penciled Batman number 42 on August September 1947. Swan would later work on World's Finest, the classic Superman-Batman team-up book, starting with issue number 71 on July-August 1954. Soon, Kurt Swan was part of a second wave of comic book artists who followed the Golden Age artists in the 1940s, with his contemporaries being Gil Kane, Joe Kubert, Carmen Infantino, and Murphy Anderson, whom the, the two would later have a brilliant pencil and ink combo. Outside of uh, Superman, Kurt Swan penciled Strange Adventures No. 1 on August-September 1950 with the story Destination Moon. He also worked on Star Spangled Stories No. 131, August of 1952, and later did Showcase No. 5, November-December of 1956, the issue following the official beginning of the Silver Age. Other DC books Swan worked on were Real Fact Stories and House of Mystery No. 1, December 1956 and January 1957, while also providing covers for Tomahawk's, the Tomahawk series in 1954. Swan would later work on Jimmy Olsen No. 1 in September-October 1954, which he considered his breakthrough assignment to make him a Superman's regular artist. However, in 1951, Kurt Swan did take some time off, one to six months depending on the source, to make an attempt at advertising. It was probably spurred to having a deal with the infamous uh, DC editor Mort Weisinger, a notorious taskmaster who terrorized many of the DC staff. Reportedly at his funeral, when attendees were asked to name something good about him, the best they could come up with was his brother was worse. Working with Weisinger, Swan developed migraines with their constant verbal battles, leaving him drained physically and emotionally. This prompted Swan temporarily leaving DC Comics, but he would return out of need of money as he could not support his family in advertising work alone. However, when Kurt Swan did return, he stood up to Weisinger, which helped make the headaches go away. Kurt Swan also worked in the Superman Daily newspaper strip with Stan Kay as his anchor from June 18, 1956 to November 12, 1960. His work on the strip often overlapped his uh, comic book stories, though he did change his visual style to meet the daily demands. Before this, Swan tried his own original strip about a Native American, Yellow Hair, about a blonde boy raised by a Native American tribe in 1954, which he both penciled and inked as a tryout but wasn't picked up, despite producing 12 strips. When it failed, Swan would go into advertising for a bit before returning to comic books. Chris Swan also worked with Stan Kay again on the classic Return to Krypton story, this time adapting it for the newspaper, and often changed the costumes and the setting to avoid being repetitive during this run. Eventually, him and William Boring would switch jobs by 1963, with Boring taking over the newspaper strip while Swan took over Superman in the comic books. Soon, Swan became the go-to cover artist for all of Superman's books, replacing Wayne Boring's then-established look, and even for many of the Batman covers as well. He also became noted for modernizing the look of Lex Luthor, making him more physically imposing, while sharpening his artistic skills overall. More impressive since that Swan was largely self-taught. Plus, now that he was the primary artist in Superman, he was about to embark on a string of classic stories. In May of 1960, Kurt Swan penciled the story, The Two Faces of Superman, in Superman 137, with the story of Superman's co-creator Jerry Siegel and inks by um, Stan Kay about the Super Menace, a being of pure energy created in Superman's ship that was accidentally intercepted by an alien vessel on the trip to Earth. 
Next, Swan Pencil Action Comics, number 265, on June of 1960. A classic story by Otto Binder, which featured another Superman double, Hyperman, from the world of Oceania, and with Superman including a tragic death at the end. In Superman number 141 on November 1960, Swan penciled the cover of the classic comic where Superman travels back in time to Krypton before it exploded and was able to use this his science fiction prowess to show off the world. Wayne Boring provided the interior art while Superman's co-creator Jerry Siegel wrote the classic story, still considered one of the best of Superman's ever. Swan did start to make Superman to appear more swelt over being barrel-chested as Wayne Boring and Al Pastino had done in the, in the past. Kurt Swan also managed to sneak himself into Superman number 145 on May 1961, along with Inker Stan K as background characters. Another significant issue uh, Kurt Swan worked on was Superman number 149, The Death of Superman, in which Lex Luthor manages to finally kill the Man of Steel, believing he now can become the King of Earth when he does, only for Superman to thwart Supergirl to thwart, her in, thwart him in the end. Another was the issue in number 156, October 1962, called The Last Day of Superman, about a dying Superman. In issue number 158, Superman and Candor, on June of 1963, it featured Clark Clint and uh, Jimmy Olsen taking up the superhero guises Nightwing and Flamebird, respectively, while in the city of Candor, as they became fugitives in the Bottle City, along with Superman losing his powers. The pair even had flying belts designed by Nora Khan, an elderly Kryptonian scientist who was once a friend to Superman's parents, making his uh, first comic book appearance here. The story is of note of being the first use of the name Nightwing, which Superman would later pass on to Batman's first Robin, Dick Grayson, who has remained Nightwing to this day. With Superman number 159, Swan penciled Lois Lane, Supermaid from Earth, and with issue number 162, he did the amazing story of Superman Red and Blue, written by Leo Dorfman, in which Superman split himself in two, and as a result, is able to create a utopia on Earth. Such as Fidel Castro and Nikita Khrushchev seeing the air of their ways, this was 1963 after all. Even Lex Luthor was able to regrow his hair after shedding his evil ways, I guess evil keeps people from growing hair. Oh, it doesn't explain me. Of note, it was during this time that Mort Weisinger began having Kurt Schaffenberger redraw the faces of Lois Lane and Lana Lang in these comics. As while Swan's art style could not be denied, Weisinger believed that Schaffenberger drew the female faces better. Though, like Swan, he liked to play their, their gags straight. Issue number 164 was another standout for Kurt Swan's art, as it featured a depowered Superman trapped on a desert world. The highlight of the story was him fighting Lex Luthor in a boxing match, as under Swan, Luthor was now depicted as a muscular human. Though Superman still won the match after suffering a black eye, even putting up, and putting up enough with Luthor's gloating. In issue number 166, Sons of Superman, it is told a story of Superman having two sons, but one without powers. A rather obvious inspiration for the current Superman and Lois TV show. And with that, we will conclude this uh, first part of the life of Kurt Swan. But join me again next week as Kurt Swan's brilliant uh, career as the good Superman artist continues, including what many consider the greatest Superman story of all time. Changing up our presentation while keeping the candidness that you enjoy. We'll cover all your favorite shows and movies with maybe a few surprises along the way. And you, yes you, will have opportunities to be on our show on a regular basis. That's right, you've got the Zoom Pro account and we're going to use it. 
so be ready. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com and esonetwork.com and on all the socials at nerdblisspod. Nerdbliss, listen up. Now it is uh, May 19th, 2022. Time for the favorite comp of the week. Nightwing number 92 by uh, Tom Taylor and Bruno Rodondo, which uh, finds uh, Dick Grayson uh, using uh, his newfound fortune to build a park in, uh, called Haven in, in Bloodhaven in honor of uh, his old uh, friend and mentor Alfred Pennyworth. All while Blockbuster's old arch enemy tries to stop him and he has to don the old Nightwing guys to, to protect it. Tom Taylor, once again, does a great job just delving into the, the, the character of Dick Grayson, what makes him great with a nice flashback episode back when he was Robin and Barbara Gordon was a young Batgirl, and just showing his, both his commitment and connection to Alfred and how much of a father figure he was to him and why it means so much to him to, to honor Alfred in this way. And it's matched by Bruno Wano's this absolutely gorgeous art, which from the flashback sequences to the modern day one, just beautiful beginning to end. Everyone looks great in this. And easily, this is easily one of the best Nightwing runs in years, and it easily one of DC's best comic books in the stands right now. So yes, definitely pick this up, Nightwing number 92. And with that, uh, we will conclude uh, this episode of the uh, life of the great uh, Kurt Swan. Join me again next week for the concluding chapter. And until then, go out and enjoy yourself with a comic book.